Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 57 for the love of the game, powered by Overtime Media, brought to you by Overlay DFS. Are you sick and tired of losing on FanDuel and DraftKings to Sharks that have over 100 lineups in each contest? Well, Overlay DFS has a new revolutionary start-sit game for fantasy sports. They're the home of the single-entry GPP. So a little bit how it works. So you're going to decide who will score more fantasy points between two players in their respective matchups. Make 12 picks uh, for each matchup based on your confidence in those matchups and in those picks. We have a couple of really juicy matchups uh, ready for week three. Now, here's the best part. If you finish in the top 10 of the field, you win nine times your buy-in. If you go a perfect 12-0 in the progressive contest, that bonus is over 25 thousand dollars that's some real money week two's money winners went eight and four and if you went eight and four you won nine times your buy-in they have buy-ins for every single level if you're you know a serious player or if you're just doing it for a couple of dollars for fun all levels uh games for each level if no one hits the perfect 12 and 0 in the progressive contest the bonus keeps growing and rolling over so it's like the super contest but for dfs so don't get shut out today visit www.overlaydfs.com uh that is overlay spelled o-v-e-r-l-y dfs.com with that said it's episode 57 for the love of the game let's cook What it is, episode 57 for the love of the game. Good to be in the studio. Your boy had a bit of a tough week uh, this week, a couple uh, couple of shitty days. So yeah, being back behind the mic is really good. Gets my mind uh, off a couple of things. So let's uh, dive right into uh, a little bit of sports news. The big news in local New York sports, obviously, is... uh, The Eli Manning era with the Giants has come to end. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this, so bookmark this for a little bit later on the show. This will be the main topic of the show. The New York Yankees, their magic number to clinch the division is one. They are obviously in a dogfight for the best record in baseball, but more importantly, or I should say just as important because home field advantage for them throughout the playoffs would be absolutely enormous, is they're getting back a bunch of big names. Luis Severino made his return to the mound this weekend, looked absolutely great. Four shutout innings looked tremendous. If they can get high-level pitching from him, I mean, he was the front-runner to win a Cy Young for about two-thirds of a season not that long ago. If 
Sevy becomes that guy again or anything close, I really believe the Yankees are going to win the whole thing. And also, Giancarlo Stanton is back with the team, played last night in his um, you know, first game back from his latest injury, especially with Mike Talkman out. Stanton, who looked like he wasn't sure if he was going to have a real spot secured for the postseason roster. Well, now he's in a position where he's going to need to play uh, and show that he can play every single day. And hopefully he can get hot now that he's healthy. This Yankees team has battled injuries all year and has been exceedingly resilient. You got to love their postseason chances with how resilient they have been all year. Even with the Astros being as frightening as they are. As for the whole Domingo Herman news, well, uh, he's on leave for possible domestic violence. Uh, that's not great. I mean, I, I don't want to rush to judgment, let things play out, let the MLB do their investigation. But none of this news is good news for the Yankees. Uh, let's hope that that's the end of the bad news for the Yankees for the rest of the year. On the Mets front, well, they're still hanging around. They've gotten help from Washington and the Cubs to really stay in the mix, but time may be running out. Pete Alonso is uh, locking up the Rookie of the Year in the National League. He has 49 home runs so far, an absolute monster year. It would have been really, really nice to see the Mets get in. I, they had a crazy stretch to make it interesting, um, but ultimately I, I do think that they're just going to fall a little short. Stranger things have happened, so we'll see. But this Mets team has a future. Now, if only they had really good ownership to do something with it, that would be that would be great. But but they don't. Quick basketball tangent. Team USA bowed out of the FIBA tourney in the quarterfinals against France. Not a great showing uh, for them. I, the uh, the game against France got a little ugly. Kemba Walker had a really, really rough game. The only guy who really showed up to play was Donovan Mitchell, but whatever it happens. Uh, and congrats to Spain for winning the whole thing. Shout out to Marcus Gasol. Have yourself a summer, bro. I mean, NBA title, FIBA gold medal. It's pretty solid, I'd say. Uh, Anyway, Team USA is still ranked number one in the world for basketball, and they're about to unleash some Avengers-type shit on the world in the Olympics. I mean, Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard have already pledged that they're going to play uh, if all goes to plan. The Olympics is, is the main international tourney that the stars really care about. You know, the, the stars clearly don't care about the FIBA tourney as much as the Olympics, as you we've seen this summer. Uh, I... On another note, I need basketball season to start in the worst way. If the weather is going to turn and start getting chilly, I need basketball season. It's the only thing that really keeps me sane. Uh, it's the best sport in all the land. On to NFL news. Well, football season is over in New York. Uh, right now, the Giants and the Jets are two of the five worst teams in the league. So... That's that's a lot of fun. Uh, as for my pick, my uh, pick five last week, your boy rebounded really nicely after a two and three week. One last week went four and one. Uh, the one loss was backing my beloved New York Giants. Uh, more and again, more on them in a second. Uh, and one of my wins, well, it was an absolutely miracle cover by the Bears minus five and a half at Denver. I mean, what a crazy game that was. Uh, pull that one out of my ass. So six and four through two weeks. And here are my picks for week three. One, we've got the Patriots laying 22 at home against the Jets. Uh, if you, anybody watched that Monday night game, I don't see how the Jets score more than three points. I don't even think they score at all. Um, this Patriots team is an absolute juggernaut. 
If the line was 30, I'd consider laying the 30. Pats minus 22 against the Jets. Uh, Pick two, Seattle minus four against the Saints. Drew Brees is out. He's effectively uh, killed my fantasy team. Not that anybody cares. But Drew Brees is out with an injury for a while. Seattle, good at home. Um, Rode Seattle last week to a win. I I don't like Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill enough to even consider thinking the Saints are going to cover this game. Seattle minus four is uh, pick number two. Number three, we got the Texans plus three on the, uh, on the road against the Chargers. I don't know what to make of this Chargers team. It, it, they just make no sense. I think the Texans have talent. I, I don't like betting against Deshaun Watson because I think he's special. Texans plus three. Pick number four, the Chiefs. The Chiefs minus six at home against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson has been super impressive, super impressive the first two games, but they were against the Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals, not necessarily top of the league. Well, I think he's made tremendous improvements and he's super exciting. This is the most exciting offense that the Ravens have had in their history. Uh, The Chiefs are a different animal and Patrick Mahomes is, is just a different animal altogether. He's He's so sensational. It really defies, defies logic, some of the stuff he's able to do. Uh, I like the Chiefs at home. Um, they always play well in Arrowhead. Tough place to play. I just don't think the Ravens are ready for that quite yet. Chiefs minus six. And last but not least, uh, coming in at number five, much to my chagrin, the Dallas Cowboys at home, minus 23 against the Dolphins. That's right. I am suggesting you lay... Uh, 22 points with the Patriots, 23 points with the Cowboys. The Dolphins got absolutely shellacked in their home stadium the first two games. I mean, they're borderline a college team at this point. They just traded their first-round pick from last year. I I mean, they're doing a tank job in the NFL like we've never seen before, which is fine because if you're going to commit to the tank, you got to commit to it. But, I mean, this is barely, barely an NFL roster. The Cowboys are at home. The Cowboys are good. I say lay the 23 points. Now on to tonight's main topic. As I mentioned before, the Giants made a quarterback change. Eli Manning has been sent to the bench in favor of rookie Daniel Jones. I've made my feelings uh, on Daniel Jones well known, but with the team where it is, uh, a young crappy defense and a young offensive line that's emerging, this team isn't built for Eli Manning. And let's Face it, Eli Manning is way too limited to carry this type of team. Eli hasn't been all that bad this season, to be totally honest. I mean, there's a great uh, NFL analyst who does video work. Uh, His name is Brian Baldinger, who's a great Twitter follower for all those who love football. Broke down Eli Manning's Week 2 film. And it wasn't necessarily all Eli's fault, as, as he broke down in the film, but the situation just calls for Daniel Jones. Honestly, I thought Eli was going to get one more week, and if it was another loss, and if he didn't play absolutely sensationally well against Tampa Bay this week, I thought it was going to be, the change was going to be made after week three. But you know what? They did it week two. I understand it. Uh, the situation calls for Daniel Jones. He's a high first-round pick. With the salary cap structure the way it is, you can't really sit high first-round picks. Eli kind of saw it was coming. You don't draft a quarterback that high these days to not play him. Uh, Eli wasn't caught off guard. 
the Giants are actually kind of saving Eli in a sense. The team has been bad for years and have not necessarily done right by him in terms of building a team around him. Uh, and right now his record is an fu- even 500. Uh, it was at one point about four years ago, 31 games over 500. So you know what the last couple of years have been like. It feels like the Giants are trying to do him a favor and trying to save his legacy a little bit, which is kind of ironic again, how things have gone on the last three years. Now, Eli, in terms of his legacy, well, it's a little complicated. I mean, you have tremendous highs and, and, a, and a lot of mediocrity. I mean, the two Super Bowl wins versus Tom Brady, two Super Bowl MVPs, two unbelievable runs, two of the most impressive Super Bowl runs of all time. Um, those runs, I, I can't overstate how great they were and how great he was in those runs. Uh, he's seventh all-time in career touchdown passes. He's top 10 in yards. Uh, he's set the record for most fourth-quarter touchdown passes in a season, most game-winning drives in a season. Awesome. But then the not-so-great. The 500 record, the interception totals, was really only considered a top-five QB or in that range for about three years, was never higher than seventh uh, in QBR for a season. He was a good player for a long time who had two legendary runs. And in those legendary runs, he beat the best to ever do it twice. That means coach and quarterback beat the Patriots twice and was lights out in those games. So, yes, he will be in the Hall of Fame one day. And to all the haters, especially the idiot Jet fans who don't get it because they've never seen good QB play in their lives, well, you all can kick rocks. But it's time for the Giants to move on. Need to see what Daniel Jones has because. If they need to draft a quarterback again in a QB-rich draft, you have to know. And you have to give Daniel Jones every chance to succeed. You have to give him every chance to fail. You need to see what he has, get as much tape as possible, because you may have another high pick next year, and you may pull an Arizona Cardinals where you pick another quarterback, a new coach, new regime, and just start anew. That's a possibility. Hopefully, Daniel Jones shows something. But if he doesn't, you got to be ready to go the other way. We'll see how it all plays out. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to bring on a uh, recurring guest to talk about the Giants and Eli Manning in just one minute. All right. Uh, I think you guys can guess who uh, tonight's special guest is, um, given the, uh, the change of the guard uh, with the New York Giants. Had to bring on uh, Mr. Shy Elberger back. Shy. I understand that you've been pulling for this for a while, so uh, let's jump right in. What was your initial reaction when you saw the news of the uh, the Manning uh, for Jones switch? Um, I mean, Pat Shermer wasn't too sure about it Monday, but by Tuesday it was done. Um, give me all your thoughts, all your emotions when you heard the decision. Yeah, so I am... I mean, we spoke before the season started briefly about when I thought this was going to happen. And I said that I hoped it was sooner uh, rather than later. But even sooner, I thought meant maybe week five, week six, week seven. Um, Then we watched the first two weeks of the season, and it was just exactly as I remembered. Horrible offense, boring, can't push the ball down the field, scoring 17 points and 14 points. And it was just the last week against the Bills was so just frustrating to watch. I mean, I get that there are no receivers, but just terrible. Um, And then Shermer spoke on Monday 
And unlike the prior week where he immediately said Eli's the starter, he clearly left the door open for it to happen. And um, all the reporters picked up on that, basically said, this is going to happen sooner than we think. Um, and that ended up being the next day. So I'm definitely, I was, when I saw the, the news, I, my reaction was just, wow, all right, they have made that decision. Um, definitely didn't think it would be this early, and I'm not unhappy about it. I, uh, after Sunday's game, um, I really thought that it was going to be uh, he was going to get week three against Tampa because I know Tampa's getting a lot of weird buzz for their defense. I personally don't think Tampa's very good. I thought he was going to get at least another week. And if he didn't show something after that week, uh, then it was time to make the switch. Um, I I do believe that I, I don't believe that he was. He wasn't great because I guess – I mean it's clear at this point of his career he can't elevate a team that that has a young defense and an improving young offensive line and no receivers. Like he can't make them better because he's limited. He's limited physically. He can't. But that video that I sent you of that um, – I forget what his name is um, – you know, breaking down the film. Like it wasn't as yeah. bad as – it wasn't as bad as we – as it made it seem, but I understand why it's time to do this because the the team's not going anywhere and, and they, they have to see what the kids got, what Daniel Jones has. And because the money aspect, you know, being a high first round pick, like he, he's got to play, like that's what happens. And I think Eli knew this going in, as he said uh, in his presser this week. I mean, how do you think the Giants handled this from a PR standpoint? Because, Obviously, you know, we all saw this coming. Um, a couple of years ago, Ben McAdoo benched him for Geno Smith breaking his streak. And the backlash was was so ridiculous then, and he handled it so poorly, even though Eli was clearly in decline. And, and maybe that decision alone kind of elongated Eli Manning's New York Giants tenure. I, I think that, that may be fair to say. So I how, think that, that's true. So how do you think uh, they handled it PR-wise? Because I actually believe that they're kind of doing Eli a favor here in some respects. Yeah, I think in a vacuum, like what, how they handled it this week, I think was completely professional and fine. Um, you know, he kind of left the door open and then he spoke to Eli. Uh, if you remember a couple years ago when Eli was benched, he had like this tearful press conference. Um, obviously, his streak was coming to an end, which probably weighed on him a lot. Um, but as you said, like he got benched for Geno Smith. Right. So that was a horrendous decision and PR move. Geno Smith was not a rookie that they had drafted and were, you know, wanted to see what he could do. He was already a failed quarterback in New York. So everyone here knew how bad he was. He had that. Uh, incident where he got punched in the face by a teammate. Like, if you're going to do that to Eli, and, and I'm totally against running your business uh, with sentimental feelings, but if you're really going to end Eli's streak after 13 years, it's not going to be for Geno Smith. I'm sorry. I, I give credit to Ben McAdoo for seeing that Eli did not have that anymore and being proactive about it. He just completely messed up that decision. Um, Fast forward two years now, 
Eli knew the deal. He was told right after the draft, um, you know, it's your job to keep Jones off by winning. I'm not sure if he thought 0-2 would be the, the string, um, but he obviously was more accepting of it uh, the way he spoke this week. And uh, back to your earlier point, like, uh, he can't elevate the team. I think that is that is the main argument. It, the, the side where it's like, oh, you're going to bench Eli, so you're blaming him for 0-2. I'm not blaming him for 0-2. Do I think he has played well? No, I don't. Uh, he clearly has limitations. And that, like, by arguing, do you blame for 0-2? Their defense sucks. They have no receivers. Uh, Shepard's been out. First of all, don't give me the no receivers argument for obvious reasons. I can't get into that. But we, we, exactly we've, the, we've discussed this many right. times. Don't make, don't make that decision and then say you have no receivers. But that's exactly the point. This team is clearly not going anywhere because their defense is so young and bad. Um, you know, Golden Tate's been out. So they weren't going anywhere. So at that point, what is the point of having Eli continuing to play? He's clearly not in the plans for next year and beyond. You drafted Daniel Jones number six. The hope was if the Giants somehow can be 2-0 and or 1-1 and and, you know, look like they have a life, then you keep Eli in and see what happens. But the first two weeks clearly showed, like, they are far away doing anything. So what is the point? It's not that we're blaming Eli for 0-2. We are just saying it makes sense to move on at this point. And so I give Shermer credit. I think, um, you know, he was brought in because he's a quarterback guy. So it really makes sense for him if he's going to be coaching for his job, because I'm really not sure he would be able to survive like a three and 13 season. Like he has to show that Daniel Jones is a good quarterback and that he deserves to keep coaching. So I think it makes sense and credit to Shermer for pulling the plug as early as he did. Uh, I agree. Uh, I honestly thought he was going to get one more week, but I, I agree with basically everything you said. And, and the only reason to keep Shermer around at this point is, and even Gettleman for that matter too, is like it's all riding on if Daniel Jones shows promise. If he doesn't show promise, that whole regime is done. And and honestly, if they're two and fourteen, you know Daniel Jones is going to be done. As we saw what happened in um in uh, Arizona this past yeah. off season. Um, before we get into um, Eli's legacy and 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 talk about his career a little bit, in terms of the um the Giants regime right now, I mean you just touched on it a little bit but like where are you at because there's a lot there's you know we we killed them for the odell thing um yeah. which has i think we're we've been on the right side of history of, about this i mean we all we we questioned daniel jones at six um with the salary cap implications and whatever um but you know they they've drafted will hernandez they've drafted saquon barkley like they drafted Actually, no. They they did draft. They did draft Evan Ingram. Did they? Did they? Um, that was a Reese pick. That was a Reese yeah. pick. Okay. Twenty seventeen. Okay, so you know they drafted these guys, um, who have all turned out to be good players. Like they have some young pieces in place. Like they did that trade with the Browns for uh, Ziegler. Yeah, Zeitler. Yeah. Zeitler. Zeitler. I'm sorry, Zeitler. You know that was a good trade. They won that trade. Um, well. Yeah, and that can be argued because they did trade their best pass rusher and now can't get a pass rush. But it can be argued that they did well in that trade. Right. 
But then they, you know, the argument is they should have taken the pass rusher at six and Jones at 17. And the other argument is you shouldn't have had the 17th pick because you shouldn't have sold Beckham for 40 cents on the dollar. So, so again, old wounds. But so where are you at with them right now with this regime? I happen to think Shermer is probably a very good offensive coordinator. I think he actually designs plays where people are open because I have seen time and time again, people just being receivers running open, Saquon, you know, running wheel out and Eli has just missed them or not uh, thrown the ball for whatever reason. Um, and so I actually think he schemes people open. Well, I do have doubts uh, about his head coaching ability. Um, I've, I've watched and listened to basically every press conference he's ever given. Anyone who's heard him can tell he, like, is extremely one-tone, uh, no, uh, kind of like Eli almost, like, no, at, no uh, uh, attitude or, like, energy when he talks. I've watched his post-game locker room speeches after the wins, and it's just, like, not exciting. Uh, how important that is as a head, for a coach, I'm not a player, obviously. I would think it's somewhat important. Um, so I'm not – and his head coaching record is, uh, I think I saw this week, seventh worst all time. So, you know, I definitely have my doubts whether he can be a successful head coach. I do think he is a good offensive guy in designing plays. And really, we I, I think he, like, you know – Definitely could have held it back. So we will see. These next 14 games will be very interesting. For Gettleman, I think he's a piece of crap. I think he sucks. Yes, he drafted Hernandez. So, like, every GM is going to hit on some picks, okay? He's never traded up once in his entire GM's career. This includes, like, sixth and seventh round picks or anything where you might want to trade up or down. Um, He has traded up, sorry. He's never traded down which is what you do uh, as a drafter. Belichick trades down like 19 times per round. And everything he has said over the last two years, we all knew was complete BS and is proving to be BS. Oh, it's a crock. Eli doesn't have it anymore. 2018 proved that Eli can still play at a high level. He has years left. Blah, blah, blah. Jabril Peppers is the next Ronnie Lott. Uh, like all of this BS that he's tried to spew through the media, like trust my resume. He sucks. He got, you know, kicked out of Carolina. They won 15 and one and made the Super Bowl with largely with a roster he inherited. I can count, you know, this article came out today in the star ledger, you know, dozens of ex players who can't stand him because he doesn't talk to them all season. And then just like releases them without saying a word. Like, I get that it's a business and whatever. As Landon Collins said in this article, if you want to move on from me, just tell me. Just move on. Like, tell me you're going in a different direction. For him to play with the Giants for four years and play through a separated shoulder and do all this crap, and Gettleman doesn't even give him the time of day to tell him what the plans are, I just think that's not what a, uh, you know, an executive, how someone should run a company. Um, so... I think he's done, and obviously the Beckham trade was pathetic. Uh, what, so far, what have we gotten from Beckham? We got a two-down defensive tackle, which also Gettleman claimed, oh, he's definitely a pass rusher. He's three downs. 
Well, the data shows he's playing like 30% of the snaps. We also got Jabril Peppers, who literally I cannot think of one play he has actually made through two games. And then we got a third-round linebacker who I don't think has played yet. So all that is great return for Beckham, who is still taking 90-yard passes to the house. So I think Gutman sucks. I will credit him for one thing, just quickly. He has done a good job with the offensive line. Soldier was probably overpaid, but necessary. As you said, Hernandez is good. The center is good. We traded for Zeitler, and we signed the right tackle. He has done a good job rebuilding the O-line. If Daniel Jones ends up panning out, that will be the second good thing he has done and easily will be the, the biggest credit to him because he totally went against popular opinion there. Um, and so if he pans out, you know, I have to give credit to Gettleman. Other than that, I think he sucked. I think the things he says are complete BS. And he just comes off as like being a know-it-all and I'm smarter than everyone else. And the last two years I've shown he's actually an idiot. Yeah, I, I really, I really don't have anything to add. I, I'm definitely not a, um, not a fan. Um, I, it's just, it's just baffling to me that you know, for all we, for all we crapped on Jerry Reese for, like Jerry Reese, and yeah, he didn't have it sort of at the end, but like Jerry Reese never had this public persona that Gettleman has, right? And it's just so aggravating to to watch and, and, and listen to it's really, I I mean, I can't, I I want Daniel Jones to succeed obviously as a giants fan, but like part of me, like doesn't want him to succeed. So they just clean house again. I, I, I totally hear it's not even about cleaning house. It's like, I don't want Gettleman to be right on this, but at the same time, I like, I need him to be right on this. (laughs) Uh, makes sense, but I, I think you understand that. But yeah, Jerry Reese just wasn't like as as a as public as a figure. He didn't he didn't like talk down to people. No ex players ever had a problem with him. I think he just maybe had a deficiency in drafting. Um, he just drafted like which athletes. is a problem, right? Obviously, that's a problem. Um, let the O line go to shambles. I think he placed too much emphasis on like athleticism over actual talent. Uh, but at the end of the day, Jerry Reese was the GM for two Super Bowl wins. So, I mean, gets you a long it gets you a long leash because banners gets you a long forever. leash. We know uh, with our quarterback, it gets you a very long leash. All right, so let's let's transition there. Um, Eli's legacy. Uh, what do you make of his career? Uh, we'll, we'll go through the whole thing because there's there's you know some some major highs. There's a, there's a couple of lows. What do you make of this? I really don't think we're ever going to see another player with the career arc of Eli. Um, And I I was saying this even four years ago, and now four years later, the stat is just keeps growing. And that is now, I think this is his uh, 15th season or something like that. Mm -hmm. In 15 seasons, uh, two Super Bowls, uh, we'll probably get into those, obviously two amazing runs. In the other 13 seasons, he has zero playoff wins. So that is, you know, 13 out of your 15 seasons as a quarterback without a playoff win. I don't think there will ever be another quarterback who has even started 13 non-playoff win seasons. It's just crazy to have 13 of your 15 seasons not have any postseason success, and the other two seasons, you were Super Bowl MVP. It's like 
it's the most, uh, you know, anomaly career you could possibly have as a quarterback. And I and a career record of now exactly 500. Um, I know it was talked about, and I do think it's an interesting thought. Did they make that decision to ensure he would finish with not a below 500 record? That's what uh, I was. That's what I was referring to when they said they're kind of protecting his legacy here because. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's one game over uh, 232 games. It's just the difference of one more game. But, yeah, it's 500 or, or below 500. Um, it's just a very interesting career. You know, if 2007, instead of ending the way it did, if it had gone south, and there were some games that season, you know, he had the game against Minnesota that I was at where he threw four picks and three were pick sixes. That yeah, wasn't good. I remember one, that. That wasn't good. One of them was yeah. left-handed, I believe. <laughs> Probably. That he had was... a game against uh, Washington that season at home where he went 18 for 53, which I have never seen before since. Um, you know, that season could have gone a whole different way. And now you're talking about, you know, four seasons into his career where he really wasn't showing much. You know, how does that end up? But it happened. So you can't just dismiss that that playoff run happened. Um, and then 2008, they were great. 2009 and 10 were kind of, they started fast and then they slumped at the end. And then 2011 is like a mirror image of 2007. Like we forget almost in 2011, they were six and six and a JPP blocked field goal away from falling to six and seven. And the playoffs probably don't happen at that point. Correct. They but finished nine and seven block. that year. He did block the field goal. Right. And then, they beat the Jets and then they beat Dallas and they go nine and seven and then they win four more playoff games and then that playoff run happens. And it's like, it's not like he, you know, he's two Super Bowl MVPs. They still scored 17 and the offense scored 19 in the second Super Bowl. So it's not as if he gave this like Hall of Fame 34 point Super Bowl performance. Yeah, but, but, they, oh, but come on, that's. They won. No, I, I, they won. He made the throw to Manningham. He escaped the sack in 07. No, he gets credit for those, 100%. But when you're evaluating the whole body, it, those are eight games out of 232 games. The whole body of work tells you he is an average quarterback. And so, like, I really I, – I am looking forward to five years from now to see how the Hall of Fame shakes out. I do think he will get in. I just think there is no other guy like him who, you know, his – his, his stats where he's top 10 are basically functions of longevity. And you could easily make the argument that he should never have, has, uh, have played as long as he played. You know, other teams move on from quarterbacks who lead you to several losing seasons in a row. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. He got shipped out. The one I always go to, the 49ers traded Joe Montana, like arguably the best quarterback of all time. They seeked out a backup. They got Steve Young, and they traded Joe Montana. So if they can trade Joe Montana, the fact that the Giants were reluctant to part with Eli is just like a, a crazy idea to me. Okay, um, so hold on one second. The Joe Montana yeah. thought, I, I mean, I agree with. Um, again, Steve Young is is different than than Daniel Jones because Steve Young had, had, had at least proven something between the USFL and – you know, when he was a high pick, it, it was, it's a different thing, but I mean, the Joe point Flacco, is they, they got him, right. they went and got Steve Young. 
Here, here's the here's the thing though, and and you know the 500 record's not great. The the amount of interceptions is not great. The fact that his completion percentage is, you know, around 60 percent for his career, not great. He was never more uh, higher than seventh overall in in QBR for a season. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, but he does have the record for most fourth quarter touchdown passes in a season, and the most fourth quarter. Uh, comeback drives in a season. So, yeah, I mean, to me, those are kind of cherry picked stats. The fourth quarter touchdowns in a season, well, I think that was 2011. That was probably his best season, honestly. Uh, they had, I think, the 32nd ranked rushing attack, and he kind of put the team on his back. And still, they were nine and seven. So let's not make it seem like they were 14 and two. Yeah, and the and the oh. year and the year before they were they were. The year before, to, um, no, not 2010. Uh, the year after the 2008. I mean, they were like, what were they, 12 yeah, and four that they, year? They were, yeah, they were 11 and one, and Plaque shot himself. Uh, yeah. that was that was the Giants' best season. Eli's stats those that year actually was was good, nothing special. The amount of fourth quarter comebacks, and this is just from me literally having watched uh, obviously every game. I I view that as like. He probably has the most games ever played losing after three quarters. Like, most of those comebacks were due in part because of his crappy play for three quarters. So I give him credit for the comebacks, but you're also like, why were they losing? They were, they were losing these games like 13-7 or whatever. Like he, he, There were very few games, I think, where they were down you know, 31-27 going into the fourth or something. The, uh, most of those games were from it needing comebacks because he did not have good games. And then he just tur- kind of turned it on in the fourth. I mean, is that a credit to him? I, I guess so. I think, honestly, the biggest thing that, that you can point to Eli, and I can also turn this into a negative, is his staying healthy, now, especially now that we've had this week of injuries. Like, you really look around and realize how crazy it is to never get injured in 16 years. Like, to never have a pass like Drew Brees had where you simply, your hand hits the lineman's hand or he never, you never know, knee injury or elbow or anything like that. That is a crazy thing. Is that luck? Is it, I think, um, part luck? And I think a lot of it is he wasn't good throwing in pressure because he ducked away from pressure. You know, a lot of these quarterbacks, not Brees really, but like a Roethlisberger, a Luck, uh, these guys who scramble and take and throw, you know, step into their throws when they're about to get hit, that unfortunately leads to injury, but it also leads to better quarterback play uh, when they can do those things. How many times have we seen the rush come and Eli throws it while ducking away to, you know, uh, just not get hit, ends up being picked or just completely off target? Yeah, I think that a lot of that's more in the last four years, though, because, and again... You know, I date back to arguably my favorite game of his. I mean, the Super Bowls are, are, are a different story, but my favorite yeah, game okay. of his was, was in 2011 against San Francisco yeah, in the yeah. garbage weather. And that San Francisco defense led by, like, Patrick Willis, uh, Alden Smith, I think. Like, yeah, they were yeah. stacked, right? And he, Williams. Yeah. And he got absolutely beat to crap in that game, absolutely destroyed. And he stood in the pocket like a man, and he played 
unbelievably well. And I don't care what the I don't remember what the final numbers were. I think they were solid. I, I, yeah. I don't care because if because anybody with two eyes and I'm and you know me, I'm a huge eye test guy, right? I'm a huge eye test guy over yeah. over analytics. It's it's one of my it's one of like my fundamental beliefs in sports that sports are not like playing blackjack. It's not like counting cards. That that's not the way this works. And while I think they're valuable, at the end of the day, like I, I do believe that that there's an emotional aspect to it. There, there's there's uh, you know mental aspects to it that analytics don't account for. Whatever that that's a that's a story for another time. But that game really cemented to me like the fact that this guy, as maddening as he was, and and he was, and me, I mean, I, I he was, he drove me crazy for years, you know, on yeah. on, on Sundays, but. There was something calming about the fact that you knew he was back there. You knew he wasn't going to get all riled up like he wasn't going to pull some Phil Rivers bullshit on the sidelines and get all yeah. crazy. And he rose to the occasion when it mattered most when the chips were down on the table. And the fact that you have that longevity, with which are going to accumulate counting stats, and the fact that the position, for better or for worse, was solidified for, you know, a good 11, 12 years, 15 years is a little bit too much, but a good 11, 12 years, that's a tremendous success. And and those two Super Bowl runs were two of the most impressive Super Bowl runs of all time, and he beat the greatest quarterback to ever do it and the greatest coach to ever do it. That gets you in the Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing I can take away from that 2011 championship game. I if I I wish he had played like that, you know, throwing while getting hit and and not avoiding that. I wish he had played like that more often. That was a game where that was impressive for sure. I nothing to take away from that game. Um, it's like yeah, it, it's the longevity aspect is just um, you know, you wonder if he had just retired say like five years ago, it would be a no doubt first ballot hall of famer and you wonder just like if he almost regrets hanging on too long hanging on too long and i bet he doesn't because i'm sure along the way he truly felt that he could still get the job done um unfortunately like you want to say the giants just didn't put a good team around them the case can definitely be made um but he also right to your earlier point he just wasn't good enough like he was in 2011 to elevate the team and and it got to a point where just it kept getting excuses for him, like, oh, he has no defense, he has no O-line, he has no tight end, he has no running back, he only has one good receiver. And, you know, at some point, and that point was probably three years ago, you just have to move on and say, we, we you know, we can't build the perfect team around you, unfortunately. Right. So I was uh, there. I mean, his last, you know, really good season was 2015, the year they lost the first round in the playoffs to the Packers. Um, you know, that was his last Pro Bowl year. And I could you could have made the case for him in 2016 and maybe a little bit in 2017, but by but by la- by 20 middle of 2017, 2018, even I who've been a a major defender defender of, yeah. of Eli it was it was time and and who knows if you asked him if you gave him truth serum if you hung on a little bit too long who knows but we got a salute it's a great career I mean the fact that 
I look at my sports fandom, the fact that I don't get nearly as uptight about the New York Giants anymore because of those two runs, that that matters in some small aspect. I mean, that matters. The fact that I, I witnessed the highest of highs as a sports fan with yeah, those two that, runs. That, that's how I kind of uh, internally have dealt with the last several seasons. I'm like several, I mean six or seven. And you, is that... You know, I, we have, we all, we both have friends that are Jets fans, Mets fans, you know, they, who am I to complain that I only saw two Super Bowl runs? Um, and not only that, but I feel like at prime ages in our lives, you know, I was 20 and 24. Like yep. those are great times for your teams to win a Super Bowl. Um, it doesn't, doesn't excuse the next seven years. It's just how I cope with not being completely miserable. Correct. Um, but that, that, you know, that is, that wears off eventually. And it's not just wearing off because like, Oh, they had some bad luck and they didn't make the playoffs. I just think they've made so many wrong and obviously wrong decisions. That's what's so frustrating. Um, and I wonder, I, I'm curious to get your point or your thoughts on this. I've heard uh, fans on Twitter say like, you know, I hope he gets to play week 17 as like a, a send off. Like hell no. He played week 17 uh, in 2017 after the year he was benched and then came back. That was supposed to be his send-off. Everyone thought he was gone after that year. Uh, that, that was the game where he played. Uh, they played Washington the last week of the season. All the fans had, like, we'll miss you, Eli signs. They won the game. Like, that was supposed to be the send-off. Now they have Daniel Jones, okay? Every rep, every snap, and every game matters for Daniel Jones. Correct. We're not wasting a game so that Eli can get his Mike Francesa retirement tour uh, final game. I'm sorry. I, I agree uh, 100%. I mean, it's time. It's time. You got to see what the kid has. Every right. single snap, every single throw, every single play matters because, again— and then also like, what happens they play, okay, Eli, you know what, you can start week 17. Oh, he goes to 11 for 23 and three picks, and they lose. Like, oh, that's a great send-off. Like, no, it's over. It's over. Yeah, and because, again, it's a QB-rich draft coming up. You got to know as best as possible what you're, what this Daniel Jones kid is going to be. Um, it's Before we get into what we should expect from Daniel Jones Sunday, it, it, I just find it funny that, that Jet fans, right, have like the balls to talk to the giant fans about their their QB situation and and what's gone on the last couple of years. The Jet fans don't understand that they've never seen good quarterback play. They don't know what having a stable good QB is. So they talk down to us and talk down on Eli Manning like they have like they have a clue of what's going on. It it's so aggravating to me. It's like yeah. take a look in the mirror. You have never once witnessed great quarterback play. We have for a short window, for maybe 4 or 5 years, we had absolute greatness. Yeah, you'd like to have it a little bit longer, of course. But like we know what it looks like. You don't even know what it looks like. So don't even talk to me. All right? I don't want to hear a Jets fan opinion about Eli Manning because they don't know any better. Like at a certain point, if you're if you're scarred being a Jets fan, like you just can't speak about football because you're a Jets fan, and that's yeah, all you well, know. The Giants, unfortunately, have given 
uh, all other fan bases' reason to mock us. Correct. Um, and then That's they got Darnold. And, you know, Darnold, I, I think I'm higher on him than you are. Uh, I think he, he looked pretty good last year. Unfortunately, obviously now he hasn't really played. Uh, this year I guess he had a bad week one and he'll be back soon. But it would be, I would love nothing more than for us to be sitting here on you know, Thanksgiving time and we look at the uh, Darnold Daniel Jones season stats side by side and our guy is doing better than their guy. You know my take on this? Sam yeah. Darnold is like a poor man's Matt Stafford. That is I, not I know you're that is not where you want to be. Okay, so what do we expect from Daniel Jones this Sunday and going forward this season? What what realistically, what do you th- what do you think? Uh, I mean, you know, I was ex- I, I was extremely excited from this preseason performance. The main reason for that was just the alternative of him being bad. I mean, that was the alternative. He could suck or he could not suck. So the fact that he was actually extremely good was very exciting. Having said that, I'm a realist. I'm not, you know, this is a rookie quarterback from Duke making his first career start. I'm not expecting him to go out and suddenly throw for 330 yards and three touchdowns. If he can put together a performance where he just looks like an NFL quarterback, he's throwing good spirals, he's accurate on his slant passes, he scrambles. Oh, man, the first time he scrambles for a first down on third down, I'm probably going to wet myself. Uh, well, hopefully, he, he, hopefully he doesn't fumble scrambling yeah, because that's right, been a that, major issue. It is, and I actually looked up uh, today his fumbling at, at Duke, and he also averaged like five lost fumbles per season. So I hope that's not a, a thing. Um, but if he, obviously, I hope we we win. If we lose, but he goes, you know, twenty-one for thirty-two for two hundred sixty yards and two touchdowns and a pick. And just, it's again, the eye test, you know, the stats, whatever the stats will be, what they'll be. If he looks competent, then I will just be happy. And even if he, thing is, even if he doesn't look competent, it's his first game. Like, remember, Eli could not have looked worse as a rookie over six games. He had a literal 0.0 QB rating in like his fourth game against Baltimore. That's correct. Let's not. It's going to be hard. Obviously, we live in an instant reaction world and Twitter and like Sam Darnold's literal first pass attempt was a horrendous cross field pick six. That was his first ever pass. Like imagine Daniel Jones does that. The world will combust. So let's we're not going to I'm not going to overreact from one game even. Um, I just want to see competent quarterbacking, some throws down the field, you know, leading a touchdown drive, scrambling for some yards to avoid a sack, just signs of, all right, this guy has something to work with. Uh, results will be what they'll be, um, but again, it, it'll be like the eye test. I just want to see some good stuff out of him. I hear you, man. I hear you. I echo those sentiments exactly. Uh, Shy, I know you got to get to uh, watching uh, – G Minshew and Marcus Mariota tonight because uh, you know yeah. you're you're way bigger of an NFL fan than I am. I, I can't I can't get behind this game. Uh, yeah. even I don't though, think it gets I don't think it gets better than Jack's Titans. Yeah, uh, marquee game to say the least. Even though you know G Minshew, the legend of of uh, Minshew is is off the charts because that guy's a character like no other. But, but so, I don't know if you know this about him, by the way. Evidently, there is so he's like G Minshew the second, 
Yeah, but there's no G Minshew the first. Exactly. I've never heard that before. Uh, I also heard that his um that his grandfather wanted him to be named Beowulf. <laughs> I mean, outrageous. That would have been awesome. This guy is outrageous. So maybe I'll maybe I'll hustle up and try and actually watch the second half to catch my man Gardner Minshew. But other than that, I have no desire to watch tonight's game. Shy, always a pleasure talking to you, bro, about the uh, the Giants. Um, I th- I think you know you and I are, are very much in in line in terms of our lines of thinking about about where we see the Giants. And who knows if Daniel Jones is yeah. is decent year one and crappy year two. There's always Trevor Lawrence coming out, and that's when it's time to trade up. So we'll I, see. I really uh, I do not see. Well, whatever. Not even reason to talk about it. I will say worst case scenario over the next few weeks is not Daniel Jones, you know, having a three-pick game. It's Daniel Jones suffering an injury and Eli coming back into play. That would that, be – that's the worst. That's rock bottom right there. It's funny if you right think there. about it, like, as Giants fans, we haven't even considered the possibility of a quarterback injury, like, in the last 15 years. But in reality, quarterbacks get injured all the time across the league. So it's definitely possible that that could happen. I really hope not. I do. I hope it doesn't happen either. And again, that's a feather in Eli's cap because that stuff matters. Anyway, Shy, I'm going to let you go. This was a pleasure right. as always. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. And um, we'll talk Sunday night after uh, after the performance. And we'll we'll um, analyze from our, our couches and from our cell phones because that's what we do. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll speak to you. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Yeah. Bye. Thanks again to our recurring guest, Shai Elberger. Always a pleasure to talk uh, a little football, especially the New York Giants with him, the most knowledgeable Giants fan I know. That is episode 57. Take us out, Nikki Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.